Welcome to North Star Big Book. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. My sobriety date is January 27, 1999, and I created this podcast simply to share the message of the big book. It completely changed my life. It always changes my life, and I hope it can help change yours. Hi, Carly, Recovered Alcoholic. Welcome to North Star Big Book. Who do I have here today? I'm an alcoholic and my name's Joel. It's great to be here. Hi, Joel. It is so good to have you. This is one of my AA brothers, brothers in the Big Book and brother in AA. Tell us your sobriety date. My sobriety date is April 11 of 2014. How do we connect? So, yeah, I was going to, you know, I just wanted to start by just really thanking you. You know, a couple of years ago, I was going through, going through one of those situations in sobriety, uh, relationship was ending. And um, it really, I, I got to this kind of crossroads in sobriety where I was not doing much with the program at all, going to a couple of meetings a week at best. And I was just lost and everything was crumbling around me. And I just said, you know, I need to turn back into this program. I need to turn back into the book and into the fellowship. And I was waking up early in the mornings and I started looking for things to listen to. And, and, and I found your podcast and I found your podcast. And I would get up sometimes at 4 5 o'clock in the morning. I start listening to your episodes. And um, so I, I just want to start with some gratitude to you because you were saying things and sparking things in me. And I'm like, where's this coming from? And it just, the more I've searched, the more I've, I've found. And I, first really of all, beautiful. I love that idea. The more I searched, the more I found. I needed to hear this specifically today because two things. One, when I was first recording it, I was like, what if no one even listens to this? And I was just told like, one person needs to hear it. That's my only business. Yep. And I created a new podcast that is for my business about divorce coaching. And when I look at the numbers each week, I'm like, oh. What am I supposed to do? Like, how am I supposed to make this do something? And I need to remember what I was taught in AA. It is not my business what the results are. My only business is to do the work and do a good job and then get out of the way. Yeah. So and, and we have some amazing mediums now, right? Yeah. Like technology has opened up a whole world of communication that we never had before. And people search for, you know, recovery, sobriety. They search yeah. for answers in online and so I to know. find it it's, it's I, I had a meeting on friday night and there was it was the coolest thing it was like new york and florida and texas and washington it was just it was like aa all over and i and it was amazing i just i love this is the good part of covid but let's get into the book so okay. first of all why did you choose the pages you chose i chose the pages i chose which are going to be uh page 75 and 76 and we're going to go from where we uh are introduced to the fifth step promises and we're going to go through the two paragraphs that cover step six and seven um i th- these few paragraphs mean so much to me today so much more because of actually having had an experience with them now and that for me has been a huge shift in these last couple of years, um, going from what I would say, having a lot of belief systems to really just experiencing the results and the promises of this program and experiencing the steps in a new way. 
uh, as I've been open to going through them again and doing the work again. And um, so, and I love this section. I think there's some real gold in here that we can dig into. So uh, do you want me just to read a little bit and share? Yeah, before you get us to the fifth step promises, I would love if you could just read that little paragraph at the top when we decide, so we can just let the listener know why we have to do this and what we're doing. Yes, so for some context, before we get into the promises uh, in talking about the fifth step, let's read this paragraph. It starts off at the top of page 75. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. Again, I'm given I'm given these constant reminders as I'm going through this process of really as it as we end the third step prayer, we're given a lot of like pushing to move through, aren't we? We're, we're told you know next we do this and now we do this and again, no time, no time, no time. Hurry no up. Time. We have a written inventory and we are prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death. Aaron. Most so I just want to say something here. I have like that highlighted, underlined, and starred. Yep. The fifth step, according to the big book, is a life and death errand, which means if I don't do it, I'm either going to live or die, right? So I'm going to live if I do the work. I'm going to die if I don't. And tell us the reason why. Like, what is it that we're trying to get rid of in the fifth step? Yeah, well, we've, you know, if, we, if we've done a fourth step, um, we've uncovered a lot of things about ourselves, but we've really done a self-appraisal up until this point. And where this really takes off now into this, in step five, you know, the idea of confession, right? Confession is good for the soul. It gives us a lot of counsel leading up to this point about selecting the right person, um, a good friend, a spiritual advisor, someone who understands what we're trying to do with Who's it. Close mouth, yet unaffected. Close mouth. Not family. Don't do it with your family. <laughs> won't be affected by it because there's there's going to be some stuff that we have to to, to bring out here, um, and it and it and it warns us as well about skipping this step. Like, oh, I've done my inventory. I've got it. I've seen these things. Now I can just skip this and I can move on because I don't want to tell anybody about this stuff. But um, yeah, so it, it's life and death. It's, and, you know, something you just said was that it's a, it's up to this point, even after four, it's a self-appraisal. And it says on 72 that a solitary alone self-appraisal is insufficient. It's not enough. We cannot just do this ourselves and be like, why do I have to share this with another person? And the reason is because if we don't, we're going to think that the things that we're writing down, like when I went into my first fourth step, I thought like, wait till my sponsor hears all the things that they did. And she's going to be like, oh, my God, I understand why you drink. Like, I'm so sorry. Do you need a hug? Like, nobody did that. They were like, let's look at your part. Okay, are you done talking about their part? Let's look at your part. So let's yep. pretend we did it. We just did hour-long talk, hours-long talk. The fifth step promises you're about to take us to. And it tells us specifically that we need to do another direction. You want to start returning home? Yes. Oh, you, you, you want to Where do you want to start? No, 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 we can, we can do the bottom paragraph if you want. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, that this is all part of the unblocking process, right? And, the, and really to cut to the heart of it, the life and death part, right, is if I remain blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit, God, his love, his power, I'm going to drink again. Yeah. I mean, well, if you want to read the middle one, that's great. Keep going. Yeah. So it says here, we pocket our pride and we go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. That's to me is telling me I got to be thorough. I got to, everything I dug into, I got to bring all this out now to the light. You know what? Think about it almost like 
your basement reeks and you do not know why it reeks and you're not going to just go in and like half-ass clean it but not find the reason you're going to look everywhere for whatever that dead animal smell is to get it out because who wants to live in a house with a basement that smells so bad there's no amount of incense that will cover that up yep yep so we need to get rid of whatever is in there absolutely like a cleansing process right mm -hmm. once we've taken this step with holding nothing we are delighted so that's the first kind of experience the promise there that they're going to tell us i love that word it conveys like a sense of lightness i have experienced this i have left uh the last man i did this uh, step with i left and i just felt like some weight had been lifted off me so i love that we can look the world in the eye the effect that, th that this had on me was um the fifth step for me really in doing it across from another person and sitting there and opening this up, it really brings me, you know, eye to eye with another human being. And he shares some things with me and I share some things with him. And I get to see that, you know, I'm no better than anybody else. And I'm also no worse than anybody else. And we can just look across the room at each other right in the eye. And a lot of things to do with like self-esteem issues and not feeling worthy and self-pity yeah. were lifted from me. As, as and you, you realize that like a lot of the things that we thought were such a big deal like the other person's like yeah i've been doing yeah we get it and if you've ever listened to a fifth step they're so boring like <laughs> it's the most the most boring thing to do as a sponsor like the sponsee is like oh my god i can't believe what are they gonna think the sponsor is like this is so boring because there's nothing new like what you're gonna tell them what so you used your body to get someone else to want you, and then you didn't treat people very well. Your family was crap, and you were in bad relationships, and you stole things. Okay. Yeah. Right? In fact, in going through a fifth step with, with another man one time, I could tell he was, like, super nervous. And I was – and I just – at some point during it, you know, I said a little prayer in my mind, and I said, God, please help me. Something's going on here. And I just stopped him, and I said, I said, there's something that you need to tell me. Yes that you're holding on to. I said, let's get that out right now. Yes. And he did. And he pulled a little piece of paper out from his pocket. And he said, I did. I was going to take this to the grave. I said, let's get it out right now. And after that, poof, it just blew. But that's because you were unblocked. And because you were unblocked, you were able to feel that and sense that. And I love that you just mentioned that. I do that at the beginning. I do that at the end. I tell them that you will not get better if you're holding on to something. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I'm going to pick out a few more from here. Um, we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. I mean, I've experienced that. It's just a beautiful thing just to, you know, I I'm single now and I get to spend a lot of time on my own in my own apartment. And, and I, I felt the difference between being agitated, being alone on my own and, and what this says here. Being and these promises happen because the person that we just, did this fifth step with, which is hopefully someone that works out of the book and is working their program, is able to help us see whatever it is that we're upset about or afraid about or whatever, and help us look at it from a different angle. So then when those things come back in our mind, as they will, it's not like they get erased during the fifth step, we, we think about it and we consider it the way that our sponsor just helped us look at it and the way that God wants us to see it. Because when we were looking at it, I always talk about I always looked at all of the things I was upset about, like I was looking through a keyhole and like an apartment, like one of those little things, and you only see just right, what's right there. And my sponsor, a good sponsor, opens up the apartment door and it says, look down the hall. Yep. How did you start this? And then I start to see, oh, because the whole goal for me 
is to help others find the patterns that they keep having in life. Because the thing is, life is not going to stop just because we did our fifth step. What's going to happen is we're going to still get upset or afraid, and we need to figure out when that happens in the future, how can I behave differently? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I'll pick out one more before we go into the next paragraph. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. I love that. I love that. That's, that's, I'm unblocking. I'm unblocking. God starts to feel a lot closer to me. I feel a lot closer to God, like he's with me in this process. So I love that. Um, Moving on to the next paragraph, because this is important, right? We get some more instructions here. So it says what I got supposed to do after I return home, after having this. this And just to be clear, this is still the fifth step. People always get confused. So the fifth step is two things. It's sharing all that junk with God and our sponsor. And then it's taking an hour after to do this. We don't get to step six until after we've done this hour. Yes, this is like preparatory. (laughs) So returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. Uh, I take that instruction very literally. I take 60 minutes, an hour. Carefully reviewing what we have done. Uh, we get given a prayer here to say, to say thanks to God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. I, that was a line that I skipped over a, a lot. And I, you know, and I was like, why? So taking this, like, this pitiful inventory, right, that's showing all this crazy stuff and the, you know, my mistakes in, in all of these situations that I'd hold, held on to, sitting down with another man, talking it through, how do I get to know God better through this mm. process? And I think of a couple of things, right? One, God is truth. So I'm, if I'm being truthful, I'm getting closer to what God is, which is truth. And then the other one I love, which is given to us a little bit earlier in the book, uh, at the end of We Agnostics, the last sentence, when we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. So as I'm opening all this stuff up to God and I'm saying, hey, this is me. This is the best I can do on my own. God in turn says, thank you, child. And I'm going to reveal myself to you now as well as part of this process. So I, lo- yeah. I love that line. You know what I think of? You know, have you ever worked with a dog that was afraid, like a shelter dog? And you, you can't just go up to it. You have to get down and let it smell your finger and let it know that you're calm. And it takes time for the two of you to walk towards each other and to come together. And I kind of think of like the relationship like that, like it takes time and you need to approach it in like a sacred, gentle way. And we need to do that with sponsees too, because they're terrified, right? And this time is really hard for them because for me, when I did my first fifth step, I thought, okay, I have to do this because she's here doing this with me, but I'm either going to drink and kill myself or I'm going to keep going because nobody's ever heard this stuff and I'm terrified. Yep, absolutely. Um, Moving on, taking the book down from the shelf. So I've got more instructions there, right? I should take this book down and open it. We turn to the page, which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals. So those are the first five steps that we, we, we can read again. We ask if we have omitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Uh, whenever I see the words we ask or we thank, that's a prayer. So I'm supposed to hear at this point, ask God. God, have I omitted anything as part of this process? Is there anything else you want to reveal to me at this point before I move forward? 
And I'm reminded again of this, this beautiful illustration that we're given that they kind of weave through the book. Yeah, the foundation, the yeah. Yeah, the spirit, the foundation is our step one. The cornerstone is our. You step know, it's two. it's such an interesting. I'm I'm very into analogies. I had the pleasure of building my own house one time, which I no longer get to live in, but I had the pleasure of doing it. And I I actually come from a family of builders, and it's a very interesting thing. If you've ever actually built something, it takes months before you even see the first layer of bricks of the the fir- of the foundation because you have to, first they have to dig a hole, first they have to clear out whatever's in the way, then they have to dig the hole, then they have to lay the cement in the basement and lay all of, you know, all the things so to even support the first floor. But if you're looking, if you're driving by and you just see the lot, it looks like we're doing nothing. And right. it takes months before you see those, that first row of bricks to even build the house. But you, in order to build the house, you have to build that foundation. And this stuff is so important, which is why, like, why wouldn't you start this immediately? Why would your foundation be something of doing nothing, which is what my foundation was, and I was, I almost killed myself. So, like, I, I needed to get into the work. Absolutely. And, it, and it's an important, you know, they, they have a stop here, really, and do a checklist. Yes. We've been thorough to this point. And if you, this is where I think good sponsorship comes in, because, you know, as I'm going through and working uh, with another person, you know, I'm talking about these stones as we're going through. So when we get to this point and I've sent someone home and I say, do this, they're not like, you know, I thought this was about not drinking. We're sounds like we're build, doing construction work here. Where did all this come in? Because it's, it's laid out for us in the preceding chapters, like the keystone being the step. They actually don't even talk about drinking after step one. No, no. Because <laughs> it has nothing to do with drinking. Drinking was our solution, not our problem. So this, this arch and I, I, you know, and I get to, if I do this work well, you know, and I build this beautiful spiritual arch with this work that God's laid out for me, you know, the hope is I get to walk through it a free man, a right. free man. Not, and if you're building it with God, you want to make sure that the stones are in place so it doesn't kill you when you walk underneath it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a question I often, you know, I've, I've been asked, you know, not how sober do you want to be? How free do you want to be? Yes. That's yes. where the program is leading us with God. Yes. So yes, it asked me, is my work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? The cement I always refer back to in There is a Solution, where it talks about the, the common malady and the common solution is what binds us together in the fellowship, that we, that we had this common malady of alcoholism and we come together and we have a common solution on which we can agree the 12 steps, which is AA. And that's what binds us together. Is that firmly in place in my sobriety as well? Do you know what though? I just realized that when you were saying that, the only reason why the common solution keeps us bound together is because it works. Right. Because if it didn't work, it would just be like, oh, try these things. But I've never ever i've been sober 21 and a half years i've never seen someone do this work and not change it's it's never happened a hundred percent of the people that do this work and don't stop stay sober so there's not many things i can guarantee like that in life but i can with this work but they don't know that when they're going through this because they've never done it like how would they know so they have to trust blindly people they don't even know just do this stuff and they're like this like you said this has nothing to do with drinking you're like oh it does (laughs) <laughs> absolutely yeah um okay so 
then it it gives us a, then it asks us a question right or it says if we can answer to our satisfaction we then look at step six so if i can answer all that to my satisfaction i think the book starts assuming that we're starting to feel a little bit of power now right we're unblocking from god yeah starting to feel his presence his power this that's part of the deal right we're after that power that power greater than ourselves because i couldn't live life on my own power so i start feeling a bit of power here and i and if i can answer those questions to my satisfaction then we can look at step six we've emphasized willingness as being indispensable there is a thread of willingness throughout every single step in this program it because is, you can't do this work without it it is so key and one th a nice expression that I like to use is, you know, we work this program to the best of our willingness, not necessarily to the best of our ability. Um, I love that. Because I've, I've often thought, like, am I working this step right? You know, am I doing it right? And I had a man want to say to me, how about we just do it? And we do it to the best of your willingness, and let's see how it turns out. But for me, the willingness only comes with desperation. I'm not willing to do anything unless what I'm currently doing is not working. And like any good alcoholic, we're not going to walk in the door and be like, give me some good work to do. Like, we're going to be like, tell me what I have to do to not do anything. And it was only for me when what I was doing, which was nothing other than staying sober and going to meetings, wasn't working, that I was like, I will do whatever it takes. And someone said, if you want out of the pain you're in, you got to do the work. And I actually, um, I'm making a sign for a friend of mine, and one of my favorite sayings is the only way out is through. And the way I was painting the stenciled letters, I had to do the farther away letters first, so I did it because it was going to smudge. And when I did it, I saw rough in the word through, and then I just stepped back and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> in order to get through, it's going to be rough. Like, it's going to be rough. You have, I mean, it's <laughs> not possible. Like, and I tell people like, like this is not going to be comfortable. Like if you if you're hoping that this is going to be like a five star hotel, you're in for a real shock because the only way out is through. And if you saw Shawshank Redemption, they don't go through a rainbow tunnel, right? They go through a different one. So you got to get through it. Absolutely. Yep. Um, are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? I, I love you. You have a beautiful illustration on this with the server and the dinner and messing around with your food. Right. Because uh, there's a way that you look when you're ready. Right. Like yeah. if me and you were going to go out and go see a movie post COVID and I knocked on your door and you were in your jammies and like all groggy, I'd be like, you're not ready. Joel, you said you were going to be ready. Why aren't you ready? There's a way we look when we're ready. Right. If you sign up for a race and race morning you're like crap I never ran one time and then you like died the whole way you were you weren't ready so there's a way that we need to look when we're ready which is why readiness is not only brought up until step six so we have to have that foundation we were just talking about of the hopelessness the miserable the physical allergy the mental obsession the belief that there's something different right the decision the work the sharing and then we go now that you shared all that junk are you ready to let it go Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, you know, this idea, this idea of all this question, like, how do I show God I'm ready? Mm -hmm. Right. How do I show God I'm ready? And I think that really ties in with, with this, this, this question here or, or this proposition. If we still cling to something, we will not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. 
I, I remember my, my younger sister growing up and she had this blanket, right? Mm -hmm. that she, it was her favorite blanket. And as my parents are trying to take her, her, we call it a dummy in England, but I think it's a pacifier, right? Uh -huh. Those my parents yeah. were trying to wean her off the pacifier. And they, they let her, you know, have this blanket. And this blanket became like her, her like safety net. It was everything to her. It was her whole security was this blanket. And she used to suck on it. Yeah. But as she started to get older and older, my parents tried to take it away from her. But she would eventually, as she got interested in other things, she would start to leave it alone. And she would leave it away for about a couple hours. And then she'd be like, where's my blanket? Where's my blanket? And as she started to grow up and mature and became interested in other things, eventually one day it was gone, right? She was just like not interested in it anymore. And I, and I think a lot of times in, in this whole idea of like, what do I do with my defects? Well, really, six and seven tells us that this is, this is God's part, right? My part is I need to get willing to have them all removed and to turn them over to God. But what is the action I can take? Mm -hmm. I can start to get interested in other things that would be more aligned with spiritual growth and spiritual and the kind of person we want to be right yeah on the top of my page it says the old carly has to die in order for the new carly to live and right. you know what a great example i remember i just only was going after new guys in aa and attracting like really gross relationships and i remember being like i don't know how to do it differently and i remember an old woman an old timer in AA, she's like you have a bad picker and i was like well i don't know how to not pick those guys and you can't not do something. So like you just said, I had to do something different yeah. while I was busy not doing it. So instead of focusing on new guys, I started focusing on new girls. And I would be like, who wants to go through the big book with me? We're gonna, I'm going to be at Tuesday Fairmount at this time. Meet me here. We're going to put away chairs and do the big book. And I was so focused on helping the new girls that one day I looked up and I was like, those new guys are sick. Like I didn't even... My, God was able to change the way I saw it because I was busy focusing on something else. Yeah. And four and five have already, they're already acts against the self-will, right? Mm -hmm. My ego does not want, that. My ego does not want to sit down and write inventory. I love that. My ego does not want to go and sit in front of another person and, and bear all this and, and bring all this stuff out. That was rule number one. Don't trust yeah. anyone. You're so asking already, me to break rule number one. I love that. Yeah, so I'm already, I'm already, I'm already starting to show God yes. through the through four and five that I'm willing to change. I'm willing to do something against what my instinct, my ego says. You don't need to do this. This is not going to help you. We don't need to do this. So yeah, and one of the one tool I wanted to share with you, which I think is really cool, you know, because we often when we talk about character defects, you can get into a lot of discussions about well, what really are they? And, right. The 12 and 12 talks about the seven deadly sins. Somebody some once brought out to me the, um, the seven deadly needs. And so I use these now as, I I'm, hear them. as I'm thinking about like, you know, moving away from my character defects and helping and allowing God to take them from me. Um, then, you know, and I, and I ask myself, am I clinging on to these kinds of things? The need to know, the need to be right, the need to get even, the need to look good, the need to judge, the need to keep score, and the need to control. And I think that that's like, that really kind of modernizes a little bit about, you the know. The first and the last one are my most challenging. Which are yours? Uh, my most challenging is. Mine is the need to know and the need to control. Because I don't trust God. 
I think the need to be right. Mm. I have been someone who um, very much like to think of myself as being an intellectual person. Uh-huh. Um, I like to think I have all the answers. Um, I'm, I'm quite studious, as you might Isn't tell. it interesting, like, the different ways that we all manifest this? Basically, it's manifesting ag- agnosticism because yeah. we're, we are trying to control the world, our world. The way I like to control it, when you read those, was knowledge and control. Yours is feeling, like, superior to understanding, right? right? Yeah. And we're all just doing the same thing, which is we're, we're not allowing God in. Yeah. And I think for me, I sometimes the hardest three words for me to say is I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to give you a challenge. Okay. I am going to give you a challenge the next week up until next Thursday when I see you at our meeting. I want you to say I don't know once a day to another human. I accept your challenge. Yes. I'm excited. Absolutely. And I'm going to take a challenge on myself. And at the same time, I'm going to say, I don't need to know. Because that's my problem. I always want to know something that I'm not supposed to know right now. And I'm like, when am I going to know? And I had a sponsor who was like, you'll know what you're supposed to know when you're supposed to know it. Right now, apparently, you're not supposed to know it. Yeah. I I will take it. And I, and that's, and in, you know, in six and seven, we, for me, I have gone through a lot of my life exercising the hold on to things muscle, right? The muscle that, that, that pulls things in and holds on. I have not done a lot of exercise with the letting go muscle. And this is, this is an area where this is God's part, right? God takes these uh, and, it's, and it's on his time and it's how he sees best and how he sees fit. And that again is that the need to know, right? It's like there's some things I just don't need to know and how God is going to work with me through this process is something that will be revealed as I go on my journey. Here's my question to you. Looking back just over your evidence of the last time you've been sober, right? Has there ever been a time where you did not know what you needed to know in that moment? In the, in the moment that I needed to know it. Uh, Were you ever presented with a really challenging situation and you did not know what you needed to know in order to make the decision? No, I was, because, you know, in, when the moment happened, uh, God gave me what I needed. Yeah. In that moment. Now, leading up to situations, I, I often would get, anxious or stressed out about things that were on right. the horizon but when the actual moment comes and i use prayer and i and i use and i and i get present then i've experienced that things have been provided for me in the moment that i need them i want to share this one thing and then you'll finish by reading the prayer i, I always get this story wrong is michelangelo the artist or it who is which is which is that the piece Yes. It, yeah. He painted the, the Sistine Chapel, right? The, right. But what was the sculpture? Um, was it David? Yes. Okay. So I always get this wrong when I tell the story, but I heard it from an AA speaker and it literally saved my life when I needed it too. And he said that when, and I don't know if it's real, but I like the idea that when he was, when Michelangelo was asked, how did you make David the sculpt, the, you know, the, what's that called? Is it a sculpture? Yeah. Yeah, the sculpture. He said he did not make David. He said he just removed everything that wasn't David 
And then all that was left was David. Mm-hmm. And I used that at a time where the stakes could not be higher. And all I did was I kept removing what was not right. I kept removing what was not right, what was not going to help me with my answer and kept removing it. And all that was left at the end when I needed it was the answer I needed. Absolutely. And so that, our job isn't to get the answer. Our job is to remove what is not the answer. And that reminds me of the, the relationship that we forge in the third step, right? God's the director. He's the principal. He's the father. And in, a, in another book that many read, say he's the potter, we're the clay. I love then, that. So he, he works with us. He works yes. with us. So if, I, we let I, him, if we let God. If we let God. And I love that. The day, he's saying that David was always there underneath. He just removed... You know, the, you just remove what was not him. What was what not was. And, we, and you know, I trust God enough today after all we've been through that I'm at the place where if I could just get like, if God and I were like on Zoom, I would just be like, God, just remove everything you don't want because I trust you. But I'm so impatient. And the way that God goes about sculpting me is not the way that I would like God to go about sculpting me because while it's happening, it's taking too long and it's uncomfortable. And I'm not trusting. So I want you to read that last, the last part of which is step seven, the prayer. You want to, you want to close by reading the seventh step prayer? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, there's one thing I just want to point out. Yeah, please. pointed out to me was that uh, we get the amen at the end of the seventh step prayer. Yes. So if you Start go back. Start the third step. Yes. Right? If you go back to the third step prayer, there's no amen. And I was offered the idea. And I believe this now that the the action is fluid from the end of the third step prayer through four five and six and seven right that's one fluid motion that we're supposed to keep moving through swiftly right with god's help well if you think about it in step three we're saying in that prayer i'll do anything please help me i cannot bear this and while you're helping me we can show others how it it's going to work and then we immediately go into four immediately into five we do that prayer in six, and we get to six and seven. And then we say, you can have it all. I, I saw the mess. I don't want any of it. Amen. And so you're so right. It's not supposed to be months and years between three and seven. It's supposed to be like decision, action, next. That's right. I'm going to give you an option. Do you want me to read the big, the seven step prayer in the big book? Or do you want me to read my personal seven step prayer? Your I- personal, duh. Yeah. Okay, this is one something to hold out to you listeners as well, that I was encouraged to write my own seven-step prayer. And so this is how mine goes. My almighty maker, I am ready and willing that you have all that I am, the light and the dark, the assets and the liabilities. I petition that you take away every defect which blocks me from you and your love and your power and from being of service to your other children. Please grant me strength in each breath to fulfill your assignments as your trusted servant. Amen. I love that. And you know what you never said? You didn't say, take away my things. You said, as I go out here to do what you need me to do, right? Yep. And that's what people don't understand that are not in AA is we're not asking God to take away the hard things. We're saying, be with me through them. Because there is no way to do this without the hard things. Yeah. You know, and it's, yeah, I, I mentioned in there about taking away the, you know, what blocks me from his love, his power, and being useful. So you can be useful, right? Because, right. Otherwise, you would never have been able to know that guy needed you to stop him right there and say, what aren't you telling me? 
right? And this whole deal is about being, a, you know, Dr. Bob, I love what he said. This whole deal is about love and service. Yep. I love it. And you do that. I called you the other day and I'm like, hey, I need help right now. And you're like, I'm there. And that's family because we're a family and I love it. And I love you. And I'm so grateful that you found the book and that you found us and you're stuck with us. Thanks so much, Carly. This has been a a privilege. Thank you so much for having me join this. It's my honor. I'm grateful for having you. And I learned so much today. Thank you so much. For any listeners who would like to get deeper insight into my story, I just released my memoir, Seconds and Inches. It was a dream of mine for decades to write my memoir. And while I do not believe in mixing money in AA, I just wanted to share with the world that I did this accomplishment and it can be found wherever you normally purchase books, paperback, audio, or digital. I wish you an awesome day. Thank you.